0: Welcome back to another episode of Broken Record Ministries. I'm Ronnie. Beta Mike's back. Yes, hello. (laughs) He agreed to it. He did. Silent Ron's back. Hello. Brother Bob. What's happening? The professor Carl is in the house. Hey, hey. Our Bible verse this week is 1 John 4 18. Who wants
1: to read? I don't have it open.
0: Oh. I'm sorry. Bob doesn't have his eyeballs. I got my eyeballs. I just can't read them. I'll read it. All right.
2: There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Sorry.
0: So tonight's topic got shelved because of a pre-conversation before we hit the record button, but we're going to finish that and go into it a little deeper now, which would be, I don't even know
1: how to topic it. I don't, I don't even know if we really shelved the other topic. I think it's pretty much what we were talking about. We're talking about God's control. God's control. Yeah. Okay.
3: Because when you're stand, when you're standing up there, you gotta allow him to be in control of your life, or in control of your talk, in control of your words, to be able to convey what he wants to get to the to the people out that you're talking to.
0: So the topic or our conversation, our pre-recorded conversation, pre non-recorded conversation, was I was asking for the good, the bad, and the ugly on the sermon that I did. And that opened a whole can of worms. But I started off picking on wrong. Thanks. <laughs> they just think I'm cruel. <laughs> but, but then after you answered that, you also had questions about it, though, right? True. Which was, was there a set way to prepare right. for a sermon?
2: Yep. And like I said, I don't, you know, I don't understand how they do it. But you know, like I was saying, for me. I have to look at my life and then I have to look at what he's done and then I have to refer my life to scripture. Yeah. And when it comes to the preaching side, it's they read the scripture and then they they kind of make it towards the way we should act or should live according to God. And it's hard for me to get it down that way. Yeah, I got to find my escapes so to say to, to
0: get it. Since I'm a fresh one, and then I'll pass the baton. But to answer your question, for me was I was given the, the parable. So then, once I understood the parable, then personal stories or demonstrations was like. And that's it. Putting putting slips on a paper and pulling it out of the hat yeah. for me At to understand point, the parable, instead of. Instead of me taking an example out of my life or a story that I really wanted to tell and then cherry-picking a verse to make it fit my story. Well, I hope I didn't sound like I was saying I was wanting to cherry-pick. No, but, I was just saying the, different, the difference right. between
2: the
1: two. I think but what you're describing, my, wrong.
2: Mine is like my personal parable, and then that way I can refer it more mm-hmm. to the Bible I think, what my walk is.
1: I think what you're describing is how he reveals things to us in our circumstances as we come to those circumstances. So, exactly. so both methods are important. It's important to understand what he tells us to do, what he tells us to, how, he, how he tells us to live. But he also is in control of getting us to circumstances where we can understand the application for our life. Right, right, and that's—I think—that's what you're what you're witnessing—is how he controls all the details of your life to get you to those places where you can truly understand what he's trying to convey to you through his word. Correct.
4: I agree that's, with that because that, that happened to me today. <clears throat> we had an accident with one of our dogs. My wife actually sliced off part of his ear, and he had to go into emergency surgery and be stitched up. I was telling Bob before we started recording the pre-recording thing that pre-pre recording. Uh, yes, before the before. I started my walk with Jesus, the old Mike would have been just furious and fuming that she hurt my dog, knowing in my heart already that she didn't do it on purpose because she was beating herself up terribly over this. She's bawling, my wife. She didn't mean to do it. But I found myself extremely calm at the time. And as I was driving him to the vet, I reflected back on that, thinking, "God's changed my heart because I'm allowing Him to control my life." So, I, th- you know, stories I think are important when you preach because it, it gives that it gives that human element. So we don't deify the person doing the preaching because mm-hmm. we need to be talking about the gospel. So I think human stories like Ron's talking about Are very important to, uh, to apply to your life You know, just my little story right there was it, Is there somebody out there who gets fired up Or gets angry about a situation And r- when you do that You're not showing Jesus' love Which we're commanded to do I, th- I really think my wife thought The other shoe was going to drop Because this dog is, is everything to me Ron can attest to that I love this dog He got me through a lot of things in life And he was hurt hurt badly Bleeding But I wasn't mad at my wife And the only way that could have happened Was to change in my heart Trying to follow Jesus So I think anytime somebody stands up And starts talking about the gospel The scripture They can find a way That people listening hear that word It changes them It convicts them Like Bob was saying, they're no longer checking their watch to get out the door to the Mexican restaurant or wherever they're going. Right. You've hit hit a home run. I think that's very important.
1: I think that really perfectly highlights what our original topic was, too, what it looks like to give God control and not just use him as an excuse to do nothing. Because what he controls is the transforming of your heart. Right. He controls the the transforming of your heart, the renewing of your mind, what you control is how you respond to the situation based upon that transformed heart. So that's like those those two elements working perfectly hand in hand. Right. He transforms your heart, then you choose to behave in accordance with that transformed heart by your actions.
4: I wish I could say that I'm probably not going to behave, I wish I could say I'm going to behave like that in every situation, but I know I'm not. I'm going to fail. But for me, it was something I've been praying on, that it was in front of me I saw it happen and I had to really think about that meditate on it and go wow here's the change I've been wanting I just lived it out so praise and glory to, to the most high Right. that's where I'm going with this
3: yeah. I want to go back to what Ron was saying just um, talking about how you apply God's word in your life that's how I tried to try to okay <laughs> try to. <laughs> yes. But anyway, you know, on a personal level, you know, um, yes, we've got to apply God's Word in our life because that goes back to what I was saying a long ago. That goes back to your personal relationship with Him. That goes back to you talking to Him. That goes back to you praying with Him, praying to Him, not whining to Him, not crying because you're not getting your, your way, not, not throwing a tantrum, not getting mad at Him, but absolutely sitting there loving Him. That's what He wants. He wants us to love Him. Now, when it comes to a sermon, when it comes to you standing up in front of 20 people, 100 people, 300 people, 1,000 people, don't matter. You know, each one of them people is walking a different path. So, in order to get that sermon across to each and every one of them, you've got to, for one thing, you've got to know your audience. You know, you've got to kind of You've got to know the room. you got to know the room, exactly. So in order to get that sermon across to each and every one of them, you've know, you got to read the Scripture, and then you've got to explain what the Scripture, the truth of the Scripture, what it absolutely is talking about. And if they're acceptable to it and really listening to it, whatever's going on in their life right then at that moment, that Scripture's going to talk to them
2: exactly and that's what happens to me like on, on Sunday, every Sunday when Cole preaches and I'm sitting there listening and I mean I'm feeling the whole thing but yet at the same time I'm sitting there thinking back on my life or a friend's life or a family member's life and I'm applying that scripture to that
3: situation so that it embeds in my mind. So I don't forget exactly, and that's what I'm saying. When you're when you're doing a sermon, you're actually giving giving it to giving it out corporately. You know what I'm saying? You're not just talking to one person. You're talking to however many people sitting in that in the pew, well, and that's in the chairs, or whatever. However you want to cut it, in the stadium right. or whatever. Right. But that's just it. Like I said, if if they're not if they're not acceptable to the word. And they're not allowing it to speak to their heart. Like I said a while ago, if, if you step on their toes early and they don't want to accept that, they're looking for a way out. They're looking at their watch. They're like, oh, we need to get this sermon over. We need to get it over now. But like Carl said, you don't worry about that. If you got 25 people sitting right in front of you looking at their watch and pointing at you and talking, you allow God to talk to talk for however long, he wants you to talk. Well, mm-hmm.
2: oh, and that's the only way I know how to
3: pass it forward, so
2: to say. Because you know, I've told y'all before, I can't memorize scripture. I I can't do it, you know. But I know the stories, and if I can get some way of conveying the story or the parable or whatever it is, the sermon to something that affects my Tangible. life,
0: yeah,
2: that affects my life in some way either through me or through somebody I know because there's been times I sit there and I'm like oh man if such and such was here today I bet they would feel this you know and I feel it for them but yet that also gives me my opportunity that if I see them again because I can put it together I can bring it to them in a way that they would understand it as well Without Nobody
3: losing without losing the interest, absolutely. So to say. So, in other words, while you're sitting there thinking about them people, and you're and you're listening to what what the, what the Word of God's telling you, and you're trying to figure out a way to convey it to them people to where they can understand it. Same thing as building a sermon, brother. That's yep. all you do. Yep. You just convey God's Word to them, however God. Want you to. Well,
1: Go. I will say, when we think of two of the greatest sermons given, I, I at least I think of Peter mm-hmm. on Pentecost and uh, Stephen before he was stoned. Yeah. And in both cases, very little of their sermons was direct quoting of Scripture. What they were actually doing was conveying the stories taught in Scripture. It wasn't based upon like word-for-word quoting, and they didn't have chapter and verse back then, but I'm sure they wouldn't have used that if they had it. Because they were just conveying the message of Scripture to apply that to their audience. Exactly. That's what they were led to do, and, and they were led by the Spirit in doing that.
3: Yeah, all they had back then was just scrolls, mm-hmm. and them high priests would not let you look at them scrolls. I mean, for real, they wouldn't. They wouldn't let you. So that's why Jesus taught his disciples, and he trained them up so well that they knew, and that's how come the Holy Spirit came and landed on them and and lived in them because. They needed the Holy Spirit to convey God's work.
1: Well, and I will say this: they did. They did teach Torah scrolls on Sabbath at the synagogue, and we know that in the first century, yes. they continued to, to honor the Sabbath at the synagogue to learn because they did direct quote a couple times. But like the point I'm trying to make is like I think sometimes you get hung up on that you don't you, you don't have like perfect memorization of Scripture. I don't either, man. Usually I have to look it up. I, I remember a concept. Sometimes I remember a key word or a key phrase, but usually I have to look up where exactly it's at. I'm not good at like number stuff. Yeah. Numbers get turned around in my head, but, but I can remember the concepts. Right. And that's you know the most the important stories, thing.
3: stories, and you know kind of where they're at, and you can go find them. Yes, yeah, the stories. I got to make yeah.
2: them into like a, I have to make the parables and all that just yeah. like, a, like a movie. Yeah. In my you, make it, head. you
4: make it a well, narrative in your head. Yeah. 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 And then that
2: way, you know, I may not say it word for word. But you will get the gist of it, at least ninety percent of it out of you you're building the sermons right
0: there. Absolutely. Well am like, like Bob was saying and like your question, like you have to read the room too, mm-hmm. right? Like intro wise, it's just simply an icebreaker, right? So me telling a story about a dryer that magically came At my garage, it might work with one room, but a Bible college of kids, it's not gonna land at all. Like, it's not gonna hit. So I would have to think of another story when I was their age, where it would land, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah,
4: you have to have a common common uh, knowledge of what you're trying to convey.
0: Or or you go talk to... A brain surgeon
4: talk to him about car mechanics. He's, he's not going to have a clue. Right. So you wouldn't want to open up with, you know, remove the manifold or whatever the story might be. Right. That's about, that's about the extent of my mechanical work right there.
0: Well, since we're on parables, right? Like, if you're going to... You get invited to a corporation to do a parable, like a lost sheep or something like that, right? One of the other parables, right? Like, you're not going to have that same... Story, because, A, personally, they're not going to know who you are except for the speaker that's in front of them. So you might go pick a different story that they can relate with, just like Mike was saying. Like, if I'm going to Valley Hope, I'm going to find stories that fit the context of the lost sheep of being lost and him being rejoicing and coming after me because that's how they feel I know that personally because that's how I felt because I should be I should have been to Valley Hope too but pride got in the way and I was just too stupid not to go Mm -hmm. right as to where if you're on the other side of it where you're actually talking to the workers at Valley Hope might be a whole different experience story
1: to fit the context. Well, you see that same thing with Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. You know, his main focus through that is talking about the Israelites' journey through the wilderness, their wandering, their sin, their rebellion, and then a a direct uh, uh, accusation to his audience about you being the people that crucified Christ. That would have made no sense if he gave that speech in Ephesus. You know what I mean? To a bunch of pagans that had nothing to do with Jesus. Mm -hmm. It made sense because he knew his audience. His audience were individuals that were there to celebrate Pentecost just a few short weeks after many of those people had called to crucify Christ. He read his, he read the room, he knew his audience, and he allowed the Spirit to speak directly to that audience. And you know, we have to do the same thing. It, really, it all comes down to how much control we take compared to how much control we give him. He gives us some things to control. Correct. But he also gives us some things to let go of and let him control. Mm-hmm. Peter understood that balance. What Peter was given to control was to take the courage to step out in front of a hostile crowd and allow his vocal cords to be utilized by the Spirit and speak that out. He did that willingly. But he also understood that he had to surrender the control to the Spirit to give him the words to speak. Yes. So you have that partnership of control. Peter's doing, doing what he's given by God to do, but Peter's also giving God the power to do through him what he needs to do. And that's how that's how you have to walk, whether you're giving a sermon to a hundred people or just speaking to, to one person on the sidewalk, you have to have that, that level of understanding of what you control compared to what God controls right. all the time.
3: Exactly. It goes to a, you know, you gotta identify what you can control mm-hmm. and give up what you can't control. Correct. Yes. You know, because if you if you sit and think about what you can't control, all it's gonna do is spiral you into depression or some, some some sort of sin that you don't need to be in self doubt self doubt you know i mean procrastination mm-hmm. you know like oh i'm not good enough for this or i'm not good enough for that you know so and that's what and that's what satan wants he wants us to spiral down he doesn't want us to he does not want us to to be lifted up he wants us to spiral down so you know so we got to identify what we can control and give the rest of it to god what we can't control and then when you...
0: I don't want to say have control of the room because you don't have control of the room for X amount of time, right? And you're force feeding or baby feeding. Like, you might take that step out and be like, okay, well, let's see if we graduated from elementary school to junior high now. and no. see where that lands. Oh, they're with me. Okay, so now we can go to junior high. Or, oh, they're not with me. So we'll go back and... Explain it a different way. Yeah,
3: yeah. If you uh, if you got control in your hand, all you're actually holding is fear. If you don't have control in your hand, that means you're trusting God. All you got to do is remember that. Anything you try to grip onto tightly, you're scared of because you got fear somewhere. If you're allowing God to take care of it. That's where the faith and the trust comes in. Think of it like this.
0: <clears throat> Using that analogy that you just gave, you have a teenager with a phone. As the parent, you take that phone without them knowing that you're going to take it. See how they act. Oh, proven
3: fact last night, we <laughs> were setting across from. That's what. Daughter. That's yeah. That's yeah. what it reminded remember. And Rose, me. she was looking at the menu, I think. I think so. What she was doing. I think so. And Rose just kind of slid her phone over there. I'm gonna tell you what. I thought that girl was gonna have a heart attack because she could not find her phone. Mm-hmm. She was. I mean, she was absolutely starting to get in panic mode. And yeah. Rose, of course, Rose just couldn't get it no more. So she, <laughs> she was
1: laughing about it. Give her her phone back. But I mean. That's a perfect metaphor for when we hang on to things that we shouldn't too. Yeah. We that we shouldn't too tightly.
3: Yes, mm-hmm. I mean the the fear and the panic in her eyes was just. I mean, strong. It was strong. And then, like
0: we saw the other side of that coin too, right? Like jokingly, I reached over and was going to grab Sydney's, and Sydney mm-hmm. was like, "I don't care. I mm-hmm. like yeah, take yeah. it." And then I had to. And then we had to hear the. Screen protector a shattered story yeah. for the 12th, 13th time. But, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. It is what
1: it is. <laughs> well, I'll be super transparent apply this to me personally and leapfrog off that. Because this, this is more than just giving sermons or, or gospel sharing. It's just for everyday life. You know what I mean? How much control you try to, to grip onto and how much you let go of. And I think where it's the most difficult is when it's people you love. Um, man, my, my attitude toward my wife today sucked so bad. And the reason was because I wasn't receiving the sort of love and affection that I thought I should be receiving. Because I'm, it's, it's not just sometimes that you want to be loved. You want to be loved in a very specific way. And if they don't read your mind, then you get mad at them for it, right? I'm, I'm being kind of vague, but. Oh, yeah. It's because no, I think we, we all understand it, Carl. We try to control things too much, and we try to control people too much in, in circumstances. And I think he let, me, he let me walk through this all day. And I said it right as best I could. But I think there's, there's, a, there's two problems with that. You try to control other people because you want something from them, a very specific thing from them. And when you don't get it, you spiral. Uh-huh. But the number one issue is that you don't have God as your number one that's the problem that's the problem with me it's something i've I told you bob that he's been hitting me hard with all week long and i don't think i was getting it until the day right. which is why he let well, me let I'm me deal you, with this
3: you and i have had the same problem because that is exactly the thing that i have been doing to my wife for the last probably month, month and a half since i started since i started all that stupid medicine that they said is going to help me mm-hmm. You know, um, it's changed. It's changed my. It's changed my chemical imbalance, or it's changed something that uh, I absolutely got to put it at bay all the time. Just because I'm like you, you know, I I, I get to thinking that oh, she's got to love me this way, but yeah, you know, she does love. And don't get me wrong, she loves me unconditionally, fiercely. Yeah, it's easy to see, but it just you know. When, and when Satan sees that you're spiraling like that, man, does he throw the weights on? Mm-hmm. So he'll he'll just keep wrenching you down and wrenching you down. And finally, you get to that point where your negativity just takes over and you get real ugly. Yeah, you know that don't happen just with your spouse. So I'll let you know that. I'm just
2: saying. <laughs> I've had, I've, I, I I'm in. I'm in a kind of certain,
3: same situation, but it's with friends. I get that but we're talking I'm talking about the woman that that I was my soul man I got you right you know and, and I treat and I have never ever in our marriage have I ever treated her like I did the last probably four five, six weeks and God showed me that I was you know I was fixing to lose something that I, I dearly loved you know and he showed me there in my way so I mean you know I'm like God. You got to take control of that because I, you
1: know, me personally, I can't do it. Well, and that's the irony too. When you love, when you love them so much that you're, you idolize them. Like the person you love becomes an idol, and they they start to very subtly replace the Most High in in your mind. And that's that's I think that's why I react the way I do mm-hmm. because I say I look to Him first, but really when I don't receive what I want from her. Then I spiral and I'd love to say this is the first time it's happened with me, but it's it's not. And and that's what bothers me the most is I thought I was thought I was past this. Right. You know what I mean? But man, when when you let that shift occur, it just like you said, the negativity takes over and all it takes is one little barb from the enemy to just to rip you out of a prayer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, oh, and, and and right back into the to the same old man, mm-hmm. and it's man, I hate that guy.
3: Yeah, that guy needs that guy needs to just go away and stay away. I mean, for real, the old the old guy, the old me, definitely does
1: not need to be in this world anymore. And yeah. it's a control issue. That's, it, it that is was why I brought issue. it up. It's a hundred percent a control issue. You don't give you don't give the father. The control that he deserves in your right. life, you don't give him the place he deserves in your life. You try to take control of things. You call you. you consider you, you. You deceive yourself into believing you're righteous for it, for the way that you're behaving. Exactly. You right. know what I mean. You self-justify. Yeah. And then when you don't get what you want, then you lash out like a spoiled child.
3: Yes. And that I kind agree. of brings me to the point that I'm looking at right now, which it's it's ironic the way he brought us to this point. You know, it, it says meditate on the promises of your faithful god you know and, and that's actually yeah, psalms 143 verse 5 and you know it says i remember the days of long ago i meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done i mean you know and i try to i try to go back to him every time i i, I get that spiral feeling I try to I try to stop and I try to pray and I'm like, Okay God, you gotta take it away because I cannot. If I allow it to continue on, it's just gonna build and it's gonna fester and it's just gonna and it's gonna put me right back where I was at before and I don't wanna be there. I absolutely do not wanna be there. I wanna be I wanna be the husband that she married way back when when I truly you know even though I was even though I was that guy God give me her to show me that love did exist.
2: Yeah. And With y'all, I mean, I get what you're saying because it's about your life, but I also have that problem, like I said, with certain friends.
3: Right. It, yeah. And that's what um, I'm saying. It
2: just... Yeah, it, I mean, it, it gets it, to it, it, the point... It reaches people differently. Yeah, it gets to the point of where it's like, I feel... I, I beat myself up because I'm like, you know what, this is not godly. This is not where I want to be. So I tend... And, and it's happened. It's happened. I tend to shut down with that person to a point.
1: Yeah.
2: And I have. And I'm trying to fix it. And they know it. But, I mean, because when you're at one level and then stuff just happens and happens, it just feels like you just keep dropping. And the only way I know to get back to where I need to be is to let it go and let God control it. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to do that so badly. But like you said, Carl, when I see stuff that does not hit me right or doesn't feel right, like Ronnie said earlier, he asked me the question because he knew I was going to be blunt about it and come right out and say it because I have no filter. That's where I get in trouble. Because I don't give it to God, I take it upon myself to say something, and I end up either saying the wrong thing, or it's conveyed wrong, so they take it wrong, so it just starts a spiral of downhill, and, it's, it's to, and it eats me up. Mm-hmm. eats me up bad, and I don't, you know, I love these people dearly, and like you said, I think, and you're correct, it's the ones you love the most that it seems like it's the ones that always happens with. Yeah. And and I'm there right now with a, a couple friends. And it eats me up every day. Because we were real close. And then he got in and it spiraled down. And like I said, I'm 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 working on giving it. Well I'm trying to give it to God. Well, but yeah. every day is every day is different, you know. And I'm trying to get back up there. Will it ever get back to where I want it or where it was?
0: Hopefully. No. It'll but be better. Hopefully, hopefully it'd be better.
1: And I almost think you know. <sighs> We tend to think of it like that. Like we were at this level and then we got knocked down to this level. We got to try to claw our way back up to this level. I really think that's from the enemy. Like that that way of looking at it I think is from the enemy because it's really a journey. I don't think it's about, oh, I got to this peak and then I got knocked down and now i got to start over from scratch and climb back up again. And I don't think that's how God operates. That's not how we operate with our kids. You know what I mean? Like I don't look I don't look at my children or if you know if I'm being a good dad, I don't look at my children and say, Well, you, you did have this level ten relationship with me, then you messed up one time, now we're at a level seven. And we'll right. see what you can do to earn back to a level ten. Have I treated my children like that before? Yeah. I'll be I'll be transparent. Yeah, I've been I've been a crappy dad at times too. hundred percent. But I shouldn't have. And that's not how the Most High, the Eternal Father, approaches us. I don't believe that for one second. I oh, believe He approaches us with perfect love.
3: He club. absolutely walks with us on the high, and then he, follow, he, he He takes us right down to the low, and He's there with us at that low point. Well, right there. now I'm yeah. in the valley. Yeah. In that's right. why I say that, yes, when you're in the valley, He's still there. He He tries to guide us, but yet sometimes we don't accept it. You know that that brings us back to where we're not focusing on trusting him we're just focusing on the problems we got and that's what and that's what Satan wants us to do. he just wants us to focus focus on all the bad. He doesn't want us to focus on the good which the good is God and the good is God's heart you know so and he just wants to keep us in the valley but yet God's like nope let's just nudge you along. You know, it may take it may take a minute to get through that valley, but you know the thing is is as you're walking through that valley with him, he's teaching you something. Mm-hmm. He's, he, whether you whether you know it or not, when you get through that valley and you understand that God got you through that, you'll be like, oh, that's what He was trying to teach me. Yeah. Whether you like it or whether you like it or not, now that may be a different story.
1: <laughs> well, and when it comes to this specific point of discussion I think often the lesson is what you need to apply so you don't lose the things you love Yes, because when you try that's the irony when you try to grip on to the people you love so tightly that it's almost like you're look, looking to them for for affirmation and affection over and above the most high you end up losing them yeah. if, you had, if you had allowed the most high to be your number one point of affection you wouldn't have lost the people you loved and you exactly. probably would have felt loved by them
3: because you're gripping them so tight you're actually choking them out
1: exactly right I mean,
3: you know, have you ever held on to something so tight? Take a piece of Play-Doh, for instance. You put it, you roll it up, and you just squeeze it. And you just keep squeezing it. And then you let it go. Does it take shape again? Absolutely not. It stays the way you squeeze it. And sometimes you can squeeze your relationships so hard that it's like a piece of Play-Doh. Unless you've got God that can go in there and remold it. As our potter, you know, because he's the master, he's the master potter. He can remold that clay and make it look good again. So, what I'm saying is, he can remold that clay and bring it back to where it looks good again and brings it back to fullness instead of all squeezed down and all busted up.
4: I think sometimes in those situations, It's our human side, our flesh side, that wants that situation to go back to what the potter originally intended it. We don't have the patience for his timing. It's in my time. Right. And that's something that I feel the Father's been working on with me for quite some time to, yeah, I know, he knows what I want to do, what I want to accomplish, but it's not about what I want to accomplish. It's what he wants to accomplish. But I have to give him the time. I don't have to give him anything. He's going to take the time. But I have to be able to understand that it's in his time, not my time. Right. And for me, that's been a big struggle in my life. Because my background was get it done, get it done now. That's how I that's how I was raised. And,
0: and it's also like Carl <clears throat> the a fancy pottery uh, Mm -hmm.
1: story oh kintsugi yeah Mm -hmm. shocker I couldn't remember that
0: but (laughs) (coughs) we want that piece of pottery to look just like we had it but once it's broke and he puts it back together you remember all those cracks and the glue that put it together like it, maybe, with the exception of that, whatever that word was that you said. Kensuki. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it would mean more with all the cracks and crevices in it because of what it meant yeah. to mend it than it being pristine and on the shelf that...
3: Right. Mm-hmm. nobody got to touch her. Okay. Kind of like the yes. stained glass windows. It's got yeah. everything, all the glue in between all the busted pieces, and that glue is what holds that window together. Which God is our glue. He holds us together. You know, the thing is, though, is I love stained glass windows because they the pieces maybe all broke up, but yet as he glues them together, he makes them so
1: beautiful.
0: Yeah, have you... <coughs> If you ever. <coughs> Sorry, take that out. Um, if you ever looked at a piece of stained glass just by itself, it's dull mm-hmm. and sharp and jagged. But then when it gets around the light? Light other pieces (coughs) like it's bright and bigger and like it's just beautiful Mm -hmm.
2: so it's kind of like a 2 by 4 I'm about to throw this way off here (laughs) I can tell a piece of wood you get an 8 foot piece of wood it's solid Okay, one solid piece of wood you would think that would be stronger than the same length of wood (coughs) pieced together with foot increments but it's not the case the case is the one with the foot increments that are tied together is three times stronger than the one piece as a whole
1: really yeah oh yeah
3: and it's and it's all because of the way the glue and the setting of the wood is is what makes it stronger i've seen i've seen pole barns put together with uh two by sixes glued together in different increments for that it's it's probably ten it's, times stronger than an actual It's, six, struc- six it's structurally stronger. Yeah. To bring like twelve pieces and glue them together than to do one full piece. And that's why it, because it bends. Right. It's flexible. Yeah. And that takes us back to Ecclesiastes where you where you got the three, cord, the three strand cord. Mm-hmm. You know. Two's good together because you can keep you can help each other stand up and keep each other up and keep each uh, each other warm. But when you throw that third cord in there, that, uh, that third strand, it makes it strong enough that <coughs> it cannot be broken.
1: So cut away the excess and fold into the, to the community yes. with the Father where you're supposed to be and you're stronger yeah. for it. Yep. Interesting.
0: Or don't be by yourself and surround yourself with other like-minded individuals. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah, don't be by yourself. Well, yeah. That's goes with the two by four as well. <clears throat> or the one sour one is yourself and the one that's pieced together is all
3: your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's yeah. a community. Yeah. Which he tells us we need. We need community. Yeah. Yeah. Or we need to go out two by two. Or we need to go out two yeah. by two. But really we don't Or two by four. Depending. Honestly,
1: depending. Oh, that was
3: good. <laughs> wow. Honestly, if you think about it, when he sends you out two by two, you're actually going out two with three. Mm-hmm. Because you, the third chord is the Holy Spirit living inside you, which yes. is unbreakable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
0: like that whole analogy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should. You came up with it. That.
2: That's right. <laughs> well, you up with it. Well, it just it just hit me because Ronnie was like talking to. I was like, man, that's almost like a two by four. You know, you got an eight foot two by four that's solid. You would think it would be strong, but it's not. It's flexible. It's very easily could be broken. But if you piece it together and interlock it, ninety percent stronger. It absolutely is.
1: That's awesome
0: Let's Pull the Needle Off this record Final thoughts Alpha Mike
4: Did he show up? Oh you're talking to me Yeah Oh could,
0: okay well, He He's threw you a it. softball man He made baby. You're the only Mike here So you Hey did you see that smile go from here to here <laughs> <laughs> Yeah
3: I'm alpha
4: Final thoughts Well, I read something somewhere today that you will begin to emulate those that you're around, which goes right back to our conversation about community. If you find yourself out there doing things you know you shouldn't be doing, you're probably hanging with the wrong crowd. Come hang out with us, our community, the Christ community. That's the right road to be on. So if you don't have a community, find one. Become part of one, a good one.
0: Silent, not so silent, wrong?
2: I think I pretty much gave mine, I think, with the uh, <laughs> two-by-four two by analogy. <laughs> you, <laughs> have to, you know, don't don't do it on your own. You know, one person alone cannot do it. And interact yourself with Several other believers, brothers, sisters, and make God number one,
0: and you could probably withstand quite a bit.
3: But that deserves a
0: correct.
3: Correct. That's right, (laughs) Bob. I think I'm going to try to do it in five words. All right. Okay. Faith over fear. Trust God.
1: you got ahead of me. I think that was five. It was. Oh, was okay. I counted okay.coon. it. Was. <laughs> I was trying to fact-check you, Bob.
3: Fact-check that one. let up. over
1: fear. Trust God. Yep, bye. Carl? <laughs> uh, most of you are probably familiar with the, the Moses account, specifically when he was a baby and he was rescued. But the next is chapter 2. And the, the context of that scenario was the, the Pharaoh was concerned with the growth of the Israelite population. So he commanded his soldiers to take any male and that was born to an Israelite woman and kill him to control the population so he could marry in the, the females. And that's the, that's the scenario that Moses was born into. So when he was born, his mom hid him for three whole months. But then she did something awesome, and that's where the story comes from. She, she understood that she couldn't continue hiding him. Eventually, they'd be found out. There was no way they could continue hiding that forever. So she put him into a basket, and she hid him in the sea among some reeds, and then hid, hoping that the right person would come along of Egyptian heritage that would take and adopt the child. And, of course, we know the end of that story. Uh, a princess of Egypt came, Pharaoh's daughter came, found the baby, fell in love with the baby. It was all the work of the Most High. It's clearly the work of God that accomplished that. And that's how Moses was raised in a royal, royal household that ultimately led to him being positioned in the right way with the right connections to be the man that we know him as today. Right. And it all occurred because his mom understood the interlocking relationship between what she could control and what only God could control. She, she understood that she had to hide Moses for a time. right? But then she understood that that couldn't continue forever. If she had decided to take control herself, her plan, her way, and continue hiding Moses, he would have been killed. Mm-hmm. If she had tried to formulate some sort of rebellion to protect the children, she and the child would have been killed. She chose to put him in a basket as she felt led, and let go. If she hadn't placed the child into the Sea of Reeds the way she did and let go, that simple act acknowledging that I've done all I can do, everything you've given me, Father, to control, I've controlled, now it's in your hands. Now I'm acknowledging that you're in control and letting go of the basket. We wouldn't have the Moses account that we have today. Right. We have that because she understood she was given a certain scenario to control, but she also understood when it was the right time to let go and then let God. Not just hide in her room, pray, and say, God will make everything work out okay, and I don't have to do a thing. Mm-hmm. She did what she was directed to do, and then she let him do what only he could do. And we have to approach all circumstances like that, whether it's a sermon that we're we're speaking to a thousand people or a relationship with our spouse. We have to understand what He's given us to control and what only He can control from the right heart. It has to be from that right heart, the fruit of the Spirit. That's where that all comes into play. We have to understand the interlocking nature of what He's given us to control and what only He can control. And we have to do that from a place of kindness and love. And if we would all just do that. It mm-hmm. says the, the irony bringing it back to what I had shared, what I struggled with today. You know, we were designed to love. But we were also designed to feel loved. And anyone that tells you otherwise is lying to you. We were designed to feel loved. The issue is we were primarily designed to feel loved from our Creator. Mm-hmm. He also gave us each other to feel loved by. And if we would just approach all circumstances like described from this this Moses account and have that proper understanding of control and love, we'd all give love and we'd all feel it. The world could be a better place tomorrow if we would all apply this today. That's my final thought.
0: Why are you all looking at me? I don't have one.
3: I can't follow that up. sure you can. Um not great. It might not
1: be as good, but yeah. yeah please. It'll be good. You know, when you follow a professor,
0: it's rough. Yeah, I know.
1: Like, let me put my dunce cap on. And... <laughs> stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop giving final thoughts. How about that? Uh, no. 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 We're going to take three weeks off.
0: No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, I think it's that kind of like what you said, Carl. It's like when that phrase "let God" and "let" or "let go" and "let God" is taken so flippantly anymore, right? It's just a okay. It's all yours now. I don't have to do anything. Well, did you do something before <laughs> you let go and let God, right. or are you just, you know, setting Indian style in the middle of the floor and not doing giving anything? Giving up? That's yeah. So, you have to. Just as letting go is an action, like you have to take action too. Yep.
1: I know it's weak, but no, that's it what not I got. weak. Good no. no. Mine was incomplete without your final thought. That's right. No, you're just mine, trying to get the point. The spirit hey, tag Ronnie, teamed all of us. Ronnie, you completed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ryan McGuire, 1998. I think. <laughs> <laughs> help
2: me help you.
1: <laughs>
3: <clears throat> I guess it's you, too. I did. It me. Okay. Most gracious Heavenly Father, uh, Father, we thank you for who you are. Father, we thank you that you're in control and we are not. Father, I just ask that we can relinquish the control that we think that we've got and just give it to You, Father. Father, I just pray that You just give us the heart to just go out and love and show people who You are. Father, I just pray that we can take on Your attributes, Father. We can take on Your heart. We can take on Your mind. Father, we can take Your thoughts and put them in us and convey them to other people. Father, we thank You for Your Son. Father, we thank You for what he'd done for us on that cross. We thank You, Father, for bringing Him here and making that covenant with Yourself to where we've got a way to You. And Father, I give You the praise and glory, and I just thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: And until next time... Welcome back to ministry. Catch you on the flip side.